Welcome everyone, welcome back. <laughs> it's been a little bit of a while, hasn't it? Tiny bit. It has, although we've been consuming a lot of pop culture that we've like been planning to talk about. It's yeah. just been finding the right time. Yeah, you so. know. So you know in um, you know in Monsters Inc. when she no when in Looney and Stitch where she draws a picture of Stitch and it's like this is your bad level and she like colours him his whole body. That's like us with levels of like culture that we've consumed recently. Yeah, well we did just write it all down and then divvy it up into like two episodes because we're like we don't want to use it all up at once and also mm. want to give the various things you know enough like mm. credit and time that they deserve absolutely so, so yeah Mars is going to say that you know um it's currently the hottest day of the year thus far so we're sheltering from the co- from the heat it's just in my basement. so bizarre how it like literally was snowing a couple of weeks ago i know that's such a kind of basic thing someone to say. else looked at me yeah yeah but it, it does make it really confusing because i was looking at my wardrobe being like is it acceptable to wear a summer dress? Like, is that what I wear in the summer? Like, mm. I was honestly trying to remember because it's just been mm. so long. Well, like, I'm having, I don't know if you're having this problem, if anyone else having this problem, but I know how I dress for September to April, I would say, at work. I've got my work trousers, blah, blah, blah. But commuting in the kind of stuff I wear where all the other times of the year that, that aren't as hot as it's going to be mm. is hell because it's like, it, the tube is boiling. Mm. Walking around is a lot. So, and I actually looked at my wardrobe as well and was like, I do not have anything to wear to work in the summer. Yeah, well, it's interesting you say that, but I think because I've been working a couple of years more than you, mm-hmm. I've kind of got, I have got more of these dresses, but it's actually just trying to remember them. Like, mm. they're sort of buried in the back of my wardrobe. Well, I know, because we never wear them otherwise. Exactly. You know, so, that's what's been, that's just one of the new phase of my life now. Yeah, but my recommendation would definitely be long, floaty dresses because they keep you. They keep you cool. Mm. They look still look smart because they're long. Mm. Um, you feel like you're reasonably covered up. You're not scandalising your whole office. By, no, exactly. Because we're both tall as well. Yeah, which does... So. I mean, I had this conversation with the, some colleagues today and they said, oh, it's easier if you're tall because it's easier for you to wear these long dresses. Oh, I guess so. Whereas they were like, they don't feel they can. But I don't think that's true, but... Obviously, I can't speak from a small person. Yeah, he's just rock a max dress. Just put some, you know, he put some heels on. But yeah. Anyway, so that's that's what's you know going on in our lives. But we wanted this week to, as part of our divvying up process, to talk about two films that we have consumed in the last couple of weeks, three yeah. weeks. We went to see Wrinkle in Time a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. In similar lovely weather, and then we went to see Love Simon last week, and yeah. they're both sort of like. Films aimed at young people that are aiming to try and talk about themes of self-acceptance and friendship and family. So they match up pretty well together when we trying to discuss they them. They do. And they're both kind of making waves. They both did really well um, in their opening weekends mm-hmm. in the US and I believe in the UK as well. Yeah. And um, A Wrinkle in Time, we did discuss a bit on a previous podcast um, the fact that the cast is mostly women it's very diverse um the main character is a mixed race young girl it like was directed by an african-american woman yeah you know what the first woman to what's it to get a to op- the first woman to open her for her film to open to the revenue that it did etc et yeah yeah and one of the first to direct such a blockbuster as well so that was a, a major movie and love simon it's an interesting one because in many ways it's actually a really conventional sort of setup. Right. Yeah, it? yeah. It's like a very good but equally like very familiar teen rom com. Yeah, yeah. Um, and is a big uh, what's the word? A big production company behind it. Yeah, it's like no, it's not. It's not Lionsgate. Is it Sony? Sony. It's one of the big. Research. It's one <laughs> of the big production companies. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the difference is, is that twentieth no, century Fox. That's who it is. Oh, okay. Right. 
The difference is that it's a um, told from the perspective of this young guy who is gay mm. and it's kind of a bit about his coming out process. But also mostly about him finding a boyfriend. Yeah, mostly just a love story. Yeah. And also it does touch on some other issues with his friends. But it's really exciting because yeah, it, is, it is, you know, it... it it's just an example of something that really should have we should have seen on a film long ago mm. and we have seen those kind of characters but they tend to be more subsidiary or they tend to be you know movies that we love like call me by your name and god's own country which are like there's definitely a similarity in that they're both like uplifting love but they're stories more highbrow you yeah. would say you wouldn't take your like teenage teenage children to see it no. or your young children to see it so i think the key thing about both these films is they're both making waves for reasons that we like yeah and um for reasons that actually are great for the film industry in general in that that they the reason that the fact that they exist makes the film industry more diverse in itself yeah i mean so, that hopefully yeah. others will follow suit and also we're obviously not really in the target market for either of those films particularly no not at all um, <laughs> which is fine isn't it but it's it's fun because it's not that long ago since we were i mean when we were leaving love simon you know i said to helena oh, it's interesting how uh, just times have changed in, like, ten years. And then mm. I thought about it, it was like, it's not even ten years. Like, the characters in the movie were, like, eight years younger than us. Yeah. Um, but there has just been such a change in, in the sort of uh, content that's available. So, yeah, well, it's exciting. And the, thing, and the things that people want to consume. Mm. And I think that's a good way to, like, jump in here to the kind of the reactions to these films. Because I think, especially with Love, Simon, if you look at that, so obviously, you know, with Love, Simon, the the whole key point I think that film's trying to make mm. is that it's an ordinary story. Yeah, absolutely. It's just an ordinary love story. It even begins with the line, I'm just like you. Yeah, and I think that's one of the key things that they, that really people heralded about this film is that it wasn't, a, Love, Simon, it wasn't a film that was like about, a, you know, a gay man's sad or difficult coming out. It wasn't about, you know, isolated gay people on a hill in Yorkshire. You know, it was actually just about normal American teenagers. Absolutely. Except, and there wasn't even an except. It was like, it, they didn't even quantify the fact that, like, this is an exceptional film. It's not. It's just a normal film. And that's what, I mean, yeah, and that's what people kept comparing it to John John Hughes films. Yeah. Like, back in the day. But it's like a modern version yeah. of Yeah, and I think the other thing, you know, one of the reasons it's being compared to John Hughes film, who has been in the limelight recently, and Molly Ringwald wrote a really interesting mm, op-ed, yeah. which we did share on our... Um, or Twitter, where she was examining his films from a sort of latter-day perspective and, yeah. and some of the very glaring issues with them. But I think the reason that people still herald them uh, whilst also like, acknowledging these faults is that they are just like good... Example of a good film aimed at a teen audience. Yeah. And Love, Simon is very much that Just too. the exact same thing, yeah. I mean, we were laughing so much. Like, we were, it was very funny. It's genuinely really, really funny and really sweet. And all this, like, although Simon is obviously the main character and he's the one you're most invested in, mm -hmm. all the characters, aside from one issue that we had a problem with, which we will come we'll back get to, to yeah. um, all the characters are realistic and funny and interesting. And, and diverse and too. Very diverse and just effortlessly so you know yeah. it feels like real it's like they and they look like teenagers yeah they do um so it's just a really good teen film and one that i would definitely put up with like my favorites yeah know? and i think a lot of the reviews i read were kind of being like the great thing about this film is that i the critiques i have about it are the classic critiques you have about all rom-com yeah, teenage films exactly. like that they're slightly contrived slightly you know this they talk about this like veneer of perfectness that simon lives in that he has this beautiful family oh, yeah, a beautiful sister <laughs> lovely friends everyone's very 
liberal and accepting and the worst, you know, the worst of the bullying he faces as a gay teenager is quickly nipped in the bud by a very sassy teacher. So mm. it's about there's these protections that a lot of young people in schools don't really have. You can try to compare it, for example, with the kind of um, bullying torture that the kids face in It, for example, which is another big um, teenage life in America film yeah. that's come out recently. It's brutal. Mm. So they, they, they put this veneer of happiness on it because it's meant to be a nice, funny rom-com. And people were like, it's not exactly what real life is like, but that's the criticism that you have for all yeah. slightly sappy rom-com films. And that's a great criticism to be able to level at a film that's actually breaking boundaries for you know, showing gay people on the screen. You Absolutely, know? yeah. And, it, yeah, so it, it does still have that incredibly glossy, you know, so American rom-com movie look. Um, mm. and, and another thing you could say is that I, I feel like they, they sort of only skim around the idea of uh, sex or kind of... Oh, completely. Of, it's very PG, it's very it? It's very PG, but, in a, but I don't think that's a problem. I, always, I think that means that actually it's probably younger kids will watch it. You yeah, know, which yeah. Is, which is nice. Um, but yeah, there, you know, it is sort of like... Uh, I was going to say sanitised, but I'm not sure that's really the word exactly. It's just it's, like squeaky, just, it's just squeaky yeah. clean, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so you won't see... Uh, it's not like watching 13 Reasons Why. Or, or um, it's not like watching um, A Ladybird. Which is no. much more of like a, yeah. I, I think it's much more of a real, a real kind of like take on what being a teenager yeah, is like more, in America. Much more realistic. Um, but this isn't ever trying to be realistic in that no. sense. Like it's yeah. got elements of realism as we discussed, but yeah. it's still kind of mostly just trying to be fun and yeah, be, yeah. and enjoyable. Which is great because we've compared it with, you know, 10 Things I Hate About You and come up very favourably because 10 Things I Hate About You is still ridiculously dramatic. She says her, like, he does that dance on the bleachers. She does that, like, crying sonnet she makes up in front yeah. of him. But like, it's, it's very, all really I, silly. I feel but... like those are two movies that I would, you know, when I've been describing it to people, I've been comparing it to that. And yeah. not just because that is my definite favourite teen movie. Yeah. It's also because I just think that's an example of, like, the teen movie genre doing really well. Yeah. Um, in that it is, yes, it's, it's over the top. Yes, it's, you know, got... Ridic- ridic- bit, like, unrealistic. Everyone's but... ridiculously good looking you know etc but it's still got that um yeah just like it's fun and it holds up and i feel like love simon will hold up too although we did we did discuss actually that they do handle it being set in 2018 uh, really really well well, like um, with the mobile mm. use of mobile phones and email and Mm -hmm. it's that's not hackneyed or also kind of like awkward which sometimes it is in movies where someone like checks their phone all the time yeah i think it's difficult particularly when these are these movies these movies are made by adults who don't use technology mm. in many ways the same way that children do. I mean, like, my little sister, who's six years younger than me, doesn't use technology in the same way that I use no. it. And we're only six years apart. So mm. it being, you know, being a basically a film about young people who have will have grown up in the digital age and are with their phones, like, you see Simon wake up and grab his phone. And it's like, I think a lot of young people's films, I'm, my friend made this point, did you make this point about Stranger Things to me? About things that they set strange things in the nineteen eighties yeah, because it was yeah. just like easier to do with technology. Yeah, yeah, I was saying that that a lot of films you do see, and you know, Ladybird. Obviously, they didn't set it in the past for that reason. It was because of it was kind of based on Greta Gerwig's life, but it is quite common to see mm. coming of age films set in the eighties and nineties, probably mm-hmm. because, of, like you say, the people making them that's when they grew up. It makes more sense to them, yeah. Yeah, but I think this this film does that really well. And there's like just fun kind of um, references as well. Like at one point, um, Simon goes to a party. Um, and one of the people at the party is dressed as 
Obama post-Trump mm, and he's like that's... in his like Hawaiian shirt mm. just like chilling and that, that was like a really funny but also like but I think it's so topical tr- reference I think it's know? so true because I think a lot if you you know Marjorie Stoneman Douglas is a bit of a niche-ish example but I think that like young people are being made aware of political goings on because of the internet and that kind of thing mm. far more than they did before so it seems normal to me like my sister, like my sister has people who dress up, dress up particularly at parties. Yeah, and I think yeah. actually young people, it, it really managed to capture what being a millennial and Generation Z is like. Absolutely, and yeah. I feel like the actors themselves were not that far off in age. I'm sure they either, kind of advised so. and yeah, um, yeah. So that was cool as well. That's what I really liked about it. I was like, they got what it is to be a be a teenager. Yeah, like they, they understand. And when we were at the screening, um, we went to that. There was quite a. A range of people there mm-hmm. but there were like teenagers there mm-hmm. and they were like laughing and like, mm. everybody at the end was in such a like, good mood which was really nice including us um so shall we discuss quickly like the performances in the movie because i feel like that is a big part of it um mm-hmm. so simon the main character is played by nick what's his name robinson robinson yeah who's right door. uh a 23 year old actor who's kind of been in a couple of he movies. was in Jurassic World particularly which I really like I think mm. he's a really intelligent good actor and apparently when he came on board to the film the act, the director was saying that Nick Robinson came up to him and he was like not worried about the gay, the, the gay side of it he was worried about he was like is it going to be a, like a proper like go at making a gay teen movie are you, gonna, are you actually going to be able to do it do you think mm. he was more concerned about giving it the best shot that they could rather than like any of the worries that you might have as a you know a boy I mean he's, you know what I mean yeah he's very uh, hugely naturalistic and really likeable main yeah. lead uh, you know he's a classic quarterback lead like yeah. he plays the ho- he plays the like good looking big brother in Jurassic World like the classic role so basically they put the quarterback good looking role as him and he's also gay. And it's like, yeah, which, he's so normal. Which is, is, is kind of commented upon in the film at times in that he he feels that he doesn't necessarily dress or look, um, in inverted commas, like the, your stereotypical oh, yeah, gay he, guy. He Googles how to dress gay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, he's just, he's he's great. And then his, his close circle of friends um, include the actress Catherine Langford, who is in 13 Reasons Why. Mm. Um and two other, one of the, the actress who she plays Storm in the new X Men. Oh, but her I, name's her name is a similar like yeah. She's yeah. I can't remember her name, but um, th- they all get quite a lot to do, and mm. they're really great. Um, and they they do seem like a very like believable group of friends, which is enjoyable. Yeah, I think so. You know, also the um, the actor who played. I mean, spoiler coming. The actor who plays Martin. the the guy who. Blue. Oh, okay. Massive spoiler. <laughs> the actor who plays Blue, yeah, um, is actually uh, he came out as bisexual as well. Oh, okay. uh, I think my last actually, that's year. That's not really a spoiler because you're actually just saying. So it's not a spoiler. Don't worry about it. The no. actor who plays the boy that Simon falls in love with, he came out as bisexual. Yeah, as well. I think so. Don't Google that if you don't want a spoiler because basically part of the movie is that so Simon is uh, writing emails to this other closeted gay guy at his school mm. um, and part of the film is that you have to sort of guess we well, didn't have to but you're intrigued and you want to guess who this character yeah. actually is you think it's probably somebody that Simon and the audience have met, met yeah but you don't know who it is and actually we will say that the reveal is a surprise yeah I was uh, surprised which is fun um, so they know. did a really good fake out there as well so I think the cast seemed to me to be diverse and really well chosen and very charismatic and likable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is great because, again, you know, you want a film which appeals to young people because they can see themselves in there. And 
you can. They have people of different diversities and ethnicities and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, I think it's really cool. Yeah, definitely. It's essentially. I mean, I was. I thought it was going to be a really great really great at what it meant to do and it was really it did exactly what it meant to do yeah and i think it also avoids it, uh being cheesy or cliched i mean there are elements of it that as we said it follows in the tradition of many other teen rom-coms yeah but there's some fun ways in which it subverts it so we mentioned earlier on uh 10 things i hate about you and heath ledger's iconic dance scene yeah um and there's a moment in the film where a character sort of attempts to do a similar grand gesture uh, to far lesser uh much overall. much less successful yeah, yeah. much less successful um and it has all the trappings of the class we were sitting in the film beforehand uh, we were sitting in the adverse beforehand being like right what classic classic things are going oh, to happen we did guess, didn't we? and there was some karaoke <laughs> there was some dance montages uh, yeah canteen kind of oh, cafeterias americans say cafeteria problems yeah um, all that kind of thing yeah and the, there's also a school musical although oh, we really always enjoying... a school musical this new trope in the teen movies where the school musical is actually quite bad which is the same in ladybird and the same in this film in that like People aren't that great, uh, well, but they're taking it really to be seriously. In it as well. Yeah, but I thought that was really fun because it's a lot more f- familiar to me um, than you know the really polished, amazing High School Musical <laughs> kind of vibe. Um, looking at his looking at you, Zach. And I think Zach Efron. I was going to say that, but I think and the one thing which obviously is not a problem because it just shows that this is a a, a silly wrong, a silly you know teenage film that has its own problems um, was the fact that like. Basically, so the one of the crux of the films, the crux of the film is that Simon is blackmailed, um, which again it's quite a common trope in teen movies. Yeah, yeah. I don't know anyone who's actually blackmailed as a teen. No, I've never known anyone blackmailed. But it's very common. He's in films. blackmailed with cause someone finds out that he is uh, gay and keeping it from people. And it's interesting how he says also Simon that he doesn't know why he hasn't told anybody because his family would accept him. Uh, and there are other gay people at the school, but still, it's you know, but still, the whole point is that it's his decision, that it's his choice. So yeah. you know, the, it's kind of po- it's very poignant and sad when this choice is taken away from him because of the blackmailing. Um, and I've just lost my train of thought. Sorry, my train of thought. Are you gone. talking about the friends? Yeah. So yeah. the blackmailing goes through. Simon does what he can to try and stop it from happening, and that includes betraying his friends in some ways. And when his friends find out about the blackmailing as well as the fact that Simon lied to them and that kind of thing about various things. There is, I think it had to happen this way because teen films always happen this way. And dramatic effect. But yeah. like his friends basically all are like, how could you do that to me, Simon? You betrayed me and then storm off. And, and they talk plan. To they're being like, he, got, he, gets, he gets horribly bullied in the cafeteria at one point and his friends are all there and they don't do anything and you're like, trash friends because any friend I know would have been like I understand why you why you lied to me because you were so afraid of being outed. Yeah. But I think also maybe the point is that your people don't always do what you want them to do, and you have to think about the way you affect them as a way as well as how you're affected. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. I mean, but still, his friends are trash. Yeah, overall, <laughs> I think I had an issue with that too because it prior to that the friends had just seemed like really kind of accepting and yeah and 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 the reason that they're mad is because they feel as though he's used them and he has used them but but at the time he has been you know his secret and it's not just it's not just that his secret in terms of his sexuality it's also his secret in terms of his private emails that he's been having with this guy yeah have been leaked to the whole school yeah and i feel like if that was your friend you would be like okay i am mad at you for blackmailing for sorry for involving me in this in this in this black and lying to me and yeah. for lying to me and for kind of using me and i'm not okay with that and we need to talk about that but for now i'm just like 
100% here for you because you're going through this really yeah, difficult time. Like, this, you like, know? His, like his friend Abby, not Abby, the other one. Leah. Leah. His friend Leah is like, I loved you, Simon. And it's like, oh, are you going to blame him for being gay? Like, shut up. I mean, obviously, it's like... That's it's not, yeah, it's not 100% what she's doing. But yeah, it's... it's <sighs> I mean, the only thing is, I will say, like Helena said, that it is maybe realistic of that actually everybody's wrapped up in their own issues. Yeah, so true. And their problem with him is not at all that him gay. being gay. It's that they feel like their own lives have been like negatively impacted by this way like, he's been complicated yeah, yeah, uh, secret um, that he's ended up in. Um, and I, I think it also did highlight that actually being gay was just like not a big deal. Like the big deal was like each of them had their own kind of issue yeah. that they were kind of trying to cope yeah. with. But it, yeah, no real friend would do that. It was unrealistic. Yeah, that was unrealistic. But then again, it's allowed to have these little flaws. You yeah, know? and, they, and did, they did come around in the end. So And yeah. there were so many like wonderful like Rom, wonderful like, teenage rom-com like high moments you know when like Simon tries this big gesture to try and get the person who he's been emailing to reveal themselves to him his parents both have their little talks with him about how they about accepting him and yeah. his dad like cries and it's like Jennifer Garner gives a great speech yeah um, she does and you know the you know the line about you can exhale now Simon yeah. is like it's like she made it up yeah, herself. I so that, yeah. overall, I have to say that you know the problems I had with it are problems that I don't mind because I have problems with little problems with every single rom com I have watched. That's Absolutely. not meant to be a groundbreaking artistic, you know, uh, Oscar-winning film like Call Me by Your Name or God's Own Country. It's meant to be a fun film that you can watch through parallels. Yeah, and it, and I think that it really does fit that bill, and I would really watch it again and. Mm. as a big fan of the rom-com genre I thought it was great and it was really was did feel like a breath of fresh air Mm. and it you know although yeah they're all they all seem very privileged they all live in amazing houses they all seem to have quite I mean there are there are people who talk about having come from more broken homes perhaps but they don't they don't really they don't dwell on that (laughs) dwell on it because it's not the point but uh you know in terms of like uh just the themes it deals with and the diversity of the cast and um, just being kind of a different a different story it's really enjoyable yeah I mean we I think it's better than like A Christmas Prince for oh, example easily yeah I mean, well that's, that's <laughs> and that was like a big budget Netflix film but yeah. talking of films I think this is better than okay <laughs> so here is where we slightly diverge me and Flan a little bit um, in terms of we, so we went to watch A Wrinkle in Time which um, did very very well in the uh, in the Box office? Box office, that's yeah. what I was going to say. But also it's slated by critics in a way that Love, Simon wasn't. And I think, um, I honestly, and I think it had its own problems that Love, Simon didn't have by dint of being a different genre film. It was much more like ambitious in scope and blah, blah, blah. It's also aimed at, um, I mean, I think the director uh, has explicitly said that it's aimed at 10 to 14 year olds. Yeah, which um, is a wholly different like plane yeah. of existence Whereas than we Love, live Simon on. Whereas Love, Simon is, you know, probably... 15 up, I would say. Oh yeah, or 12, 12, 12 up. up. Yeah. Um, and definitely designed for adults to enjoy too. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Ava DuVernay... Um, Who's is, the director? Yeah, the director has been very explicit in her kind of, you know what, this isn't aimed at critics and this isn't aimed at... Uh, adults it's aimed at the child and your inner child and that's something that we had we did discuss on a previous podcast when we were discussing kind of film criticism oh yeah absolutely so obviously in wrinkle and time we've talked a little bit about but now we've seen it um and that is again it's a it's got a young person starring um her name is meg yeah so the the character's name is meg and the actress name is storm reed um i think she's fantastic she is very very good Um, definitely she's very much in the kind of millie bobby millie bobby brown uh school of acting in that she's 
uh, very young, incredibly talented and mm. very expressive in her face. Yeah, definitely. So it's all about her and her family and her dad disappears one day when she's quite young just when they've adopted a new son so she has a brother called Charles Wallace and throughout the whole film they call him Charles Wallace and it's like not annoying but the like the 300th time they're like Charles Wallace you start to really get annoyed at it but so she goes on this adventure to find her father with three mystical beings yeah who are sort of kind of witches I suppose though it's sort never of said. witches yeah um, and so the film is is, is a sci-fi film uh, to clarify and yeah so they sort of turn up one day and they say they're going to help her find her father, her father played by Chris Pine. Uh, when we Great. began watching the film, Helena just turned to me and was like, we're here for Chris Pine. We are for Chris <laughs> and I was Pine. like, I don't think we should be here for like the disappeared father. Yeah. Like he's not going to appear for a while. <laughs> and obviously it's sort of about, and it's kind of in that way about her relationship with her father and with her mother, Gugu Mbatha Raw, who, who is I amazing. adore. Yeah. She's yeah. beautiful and wonderful. Um, and like her mixed race heritage and the fact that she's always been seen as slightly weird as well because her father's death affected her. Yeah. And both she badly. and her brother are speaking of bullying, kind of victims of bullying in the school. Um, and similarly, they do actually explore why the bully character is perhaps behaving the way she is yeah uh, it's briefly, all, yeah because in the end it's all really about like self-doubt and and uh, not psychological problems but problems you have or flaws that you feel that you have yeah kind and, of point. and particularly at the age of like 12 13 like trying to accept that and trying to accept who you are are yeah um and you know that just being very difficult and i think yeah. that's why the film i think would be particularly powerful for someone who was that age mm. um but to kind of jump into the sort of uh, what we thought of it, I, I will say that I think it, it's probably aimed at or will be most enjoyed by people slightly younger than that, uh, which I don't think is a problem exactly. But mm. it does mean that I don't know if 12 and 13 year olds are going to see the film, uh, you know, would necessarily receive that message. Uh, I can't speak to that 100% because obviously I'm not in that age. Yeah, group. absolutely. Um, but it is more yeah. of um a children's film. Like yeah, and I think definitely film. as an adult, the problem is, is that the film, for me, I felt really kind of suffered from pacing problems, script problems, and being slightly unwieldy with the concepts. Like, it's a beautiful film, definitely. Very, like, thematic, I think, and very, like, um, very, like... I'm trying to think, like... Well, it's visually striking. Yeah, it's signposted, I think, by the visuals. Like, you go to a dark place and you know it's scary and you go to a very bright, beautiful place. The costumes place are amazing. And, so, yeah. um, Oprah and Mindy Kaling and Reese Witherspoon, who play these three mysterious women, have a costume change in every scene they're in. Yeah, five minutes. And yeah. every scene, every time they come on, on, on stage, you're like, oh my gosh, I want to be wearing what Yeah, wearing. and it's I think it, it feels like, you know, a child's imagination just threw up all over it, which is great, especially for sci-fi. Like, I kind of think of it as like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's high concept, mm. high fantasy, which is really engaging, I think, for children. And it's, I think it helps signpost the film for them, definitely. So I think that's one of the great things about the film. And again, you know, the script isn't particularly sophisticated, for me, but again, it didn't bother me so much because again, I'm not looking for it to be you weren't wanting this that, yeah. amazing. F I mean, it bothered me a bit, but it's not really a problem because no. it's not what the film's supposed to be for. And I also think because the acting is so strong and the directing and mm. the cinematography mm. that you feel this incredible warmth and incredible affection between the family members, mm. um, which is important because that's really the crux of the film. Is like the, the well, not well, it's partly her self acceptance and partly her family. Mm. Um, you really feel that, and you you know, I was really swept up in that emotion. So the fact that some of the lines they were saying were wooden, <laughs> yeah, and were just not particularly uh, realistic. Yeah, they weren't very realistic. Didn't bother me because I felt it was like 
I was still believing their their mm. eyes and their, you no, know, their absolutely. visual looks. There, you're definitely right. I think that like the problems I had with the film had nothing to do with the concept or the acting or the casting. It was more to do with the fact that like I felt that it was it was outstraining its bonds yeah. and it wasn't really very as well put together as it could have been. But it, again, like I think some of the criticism leveled at it. Edward Devon is right in being like, okay, fine, critics. And I know people wanted people want people paid attention to it because it's a very unusual film. And, you know, it's, it's directed by a black woman and it's all about female love and acceptance and female love and it's, you know, an adaptation of a very famous sci-fi novel. Mm. So it was kind of put in a position where it was being reviewed for things that it wasn't really trying to yeah, do. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. And um, like You wouldn't review How to Your Dragon in, like, Variety or New York Times, would you? And that's no, a kid's film. No, it would be reviewed in a different kind of way. Yeah, yeah so I, I completely agree with that. Um, so I think I did enjoy it more than you. Um, and it just, it was more the fact that like, I, I, you know, I hated the kid beyond all reason. Yeah. Charles Wallace, I hated him with Which a burning I cannot passion. understand because he's kind of a precocious uh, little boy who is sort of you comes out about, with things. You might and, find him endearing and you don't, he's just yeah. annoying. But I think I did find that her relationship, so the main character Meg, her relationship with him as her little brother very sweet and but it brings I, more of a bell with you than yeah me. so I have a, a younger brother who is no longer so little but I always find that relationship like fun to watch on screen and also mm. relatable and it's like an older sister like looking after her little brother which is so, the law, isn't it yeah, yeah. so I, I, I enjoyed that and found I didn't find him as annoying as a result um, but I say this but my brother would probably like find him super annoying so. yeah, yeah so I think it's obviously that's a good thing though that it affects me on more than just a level of like you know just finding it distasteful is more the fact that I did enjoy it and it did get to me in some ways because mm. it was actually affecting me, which I think is really cool. And I loved lots of bits of it. I thought Chris Pine and Google Mouth Raw did have absolutely amazing performances and was so convincing as like parents who do anything for their children. Yeah. Like, there's and, a scene, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, and, and I think there was a, like the end of Wonder Woman, for example, there was like an extended fight scene at the end, which I found very unbelievable. Like her brother turns all evil. Yeah, that was a bit, that, that was my problem with the brother. When yeah. He evil. And the concept of the evil thing that is, so the whole, the whole villain they're fighting is basically self, loathing and lack of self-worth yeah because the whole idea is this monster attacks people and makes them feel this way and mm. then slowly society starts to break down because everyone hates themselves and she's fighting that metaphorically to try and like accept herself for who she is of her flaws which aren't that bad but her flaws she goes like i'm lazy yeah i'm, dis- I'm disorganized and you're like those aren't bad flaws Meg, i know and dear. also people are quite like reese witherspoon's character who's sort of really mean it has to kind of comes to accept her it's like oh i'm not really sure that like at the beginning she's like, i'm not really sure that she you know is like who we want her to be like she's very distrust not very trusting and i'm like yeah but these three women have turned up in her garden and like her dad like left and abandoned yeah. her and she's like people are quite harsh to her and also the um, teacher at her school who's like look your dad disappeared a couple of years ago now like I really Get think you should it. like move on and you're like what yeah like, absolutely <laughs> so I feel like the whole the whole concept of trying to I get it Meg's trying to fight her inner demons that's fine when you try and make fighting in a demon literal which is what they do mm. it, start, it got a bit weird so it's like the end of Wonder Woman they had this extended fight scene with like they've got a Hades and you're like yeah. what's happening so I got a bit bored during the extended fight scene with her little brother where she literally should have died because he attacked her so horribly but in the end the whole point is that it's meant to be you know meant to be emblematic of the real inner self battle she's facing and other than that I think I kind of enjoyed the rest of it for what it was 
you know, a pretty enjoyable film with, you know, a really sweet, oh my gosh, like, they invite her basically, like, this guy who, like, appears out of nowhere, oh, yeah. who, like, is basically in love with her, and you're like, okay. So he's, he's like, a, a classmate of Meg's who comes along for the ride, yeah. Yeah, and he basically spends his whole time being like, Meg, I love you, <laughs> and he is the sweetest. He's gonna grow up to be a complete teen heartthrob. Oh, yeah. Like, sure. he has this way of, like, delivering lines, which should sound really weird, but he delivers them in such a way you're just like, oh my god. Yeah, because he, he has, Ugh. he has all these lines which which really I don't think you'd be surprised if like a 30 year old man said yeah alone like a 13 year old boy like he's he does he's full of compliments he's always like reassuring her um he has but he, maturity and you're like wow he does really pull it off and he uh, I did see a tweet where somebody uh, I'm sorry I can't remember who it was but someone said um you know you want to find someone who looks at you the way that uh, this, this boy lo- looks at Meg Callum? because I can't remember. Into the now. sea, I think. Calvin. Anyway. Calvin, yeah. yes. Um, so, yeah, props to him. Like, the casting is on point. And I think, um, you know, we, we were talking about how the role Chris Pine plays in Wonder Woman, which mm. is very much that he. The boyfriend. Yeah, and he is a support, the supporting character yeah. to the women. Yeah. And that is the same in this film. Yeah, like, um, yeah, definitely. Like, he's the one, he has flaws and he doesn't, he's not a hero in the film at all. No, not at all. Um, but I found it really emotionally moving and like this, you know, the scenes where he, he and Meg are reunited, um, you know, like I felt like I cried like quite a lot in this film. You did film. cry a lot in that um, film, yeah. But yeah. I do also think, uh, you know, that can sometimes just be like, things can, can just affect different people. Um, mm. But I think overall, like, you know, if I was like babysitting, um, you know, like, young kids or tweens like I would 100% show them this film yeah and I think they would love it and be really enraptured because it's you know it's got that sort of you know your inner world like which you can explore with your yeah definitely I think it really I think it definitely again Ava DeVay did a really great job in capturing I think what kids love about these kind of movies that makes adults a bit like "Mm," but kids just go for it because it has these very blatant themes that are very easy to understand like her like you know when she when her dad tries to take her home um, when the brother goes nuts and she's like I don't want to leave him and he's like we have to you know he's been taken by this evil power which was pretty harsh of yeah <laughs> but like, as, a very, as a very adult way of seeing things mm. and then Meg is like no I won't go I won't go and then she ends up managing to split up from him and goes off to find her brother instead and I think the whole idea that again parents can't always help you and parents make bad decisions and you have to do things on your yeah, own that's true. for me I'm like that. Meg don't be stupid go off and you'll sort something out. But for Meg, it's like, you have this idea of being like noble and chivalrous and the child can do what the adults can't. And again, it feels weird to me, but as a kid, that makes complete sense to you, doesn't it? Yeah. You're like, of course she could do that. And I think it is it is great that she is champion for being herself. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's like she's she doesn't feel 100% confident with her appearance, which mm. obviously nobody does at that age. But mm. it's also got... Uh, this element of her coming from a mixed race background as well. So, you know, when your hair doesn't look like everybody else's does, then it may make, maybe makes you feel uncomfortable. You yeah. Know, that kind of thing. And the film explores that in a really um, just poignant and kind of uh, touching way, really. And, yeah. And, and, like, I think you... I think I, you know, would... Although I'm, I'm not obviously from that background myself, but I think watching it as a 13 year old I would have been like this is so great because she's just herself and mm. uh, you know she's wearing glasses and like just like, yeah. jeans and a shirt like as you do at that age yeah. you know and it, it is really empowering for young girls 100% I think definitely and you know I mean there are so many great bits about that film I have to say that I did enjoy like as much as I feel like it was a project that like could have been improved in lots of ways equally I wouldn't say that I didn't enjoy it I didn't think it was already a great film to begin with. I mean, there's some great moments in it. I'm trying to think which ones they were. Oh my gosh. Like, so there's Mindy Kaling who speaks in like 
annoying. But she says she speaks always in the words of, of, other people. of other people, which means there are quite a lot of quotes from... Shakespeare, mostly. Yeah, uh, Samuel Pepys. Yeah. Um, also, Lin-Manuel, Miranda, Hamilton. She's like, she's, like, she's like, American Hamilton or something like that, which yeah. is funny. And then you have Reese Witherspoon being weird. And then you just have Oprah, who is like this like sage being, who Oprah's spends first half plays of the Oprah film. In like, she's just so... Like, she's just huge. Oprah just wanders around yeah, so being huge. She kind of appears in the clouds as this uh, floating head. head yeah. uh, and when you first heard her voice, Helen and I both turned to one another and we were like, <gasps> Oprah, <laughs> she's here. Like, both together. Uh, and I think, you know, she is such a grounding presence in the film in that she does, she is the one who really encourages Meg to accept herself. Well, there's this moment where literally a woman turns to a young girl and says, you have to love yourself for who you are. You have to trust yourself. And yeah. I can't, it's very difficult to think of a film off the top of my head where these three women guide this other young girl around no, no. and give her these life advice and it's very very sincere as well as and, a film. and Oprah's a good character because I think her brand is giving a good advice Absolutely, isn't it yeah. I, I trust Oprah but she's like not... maternal Oprah yeah they don't kind of also I feel like that kind of thing could have been played for laughs and like obviously there is humour in the film yeah but on the whole it's actually quite um, well as I said sincere and, and just like, like cloyingly so like, you want them to have a bit more guile than they do yeah but that I think actually does make it it's it's very soothing and I think if you I think as an adult too like I 100% think adults like really can see and enjoy this film oh yeah I think if you were going through a difficult time um, or feeling uh, self-doubt for whatever reason and you watched Oprah tell you not to it, be self it would be really moving and really yeah. encouraging and I think that is really great about this movie yeah and in the end Chris Pine's in it yeah, well, that's and this Calvin child. So I think basically the theme of this is, uh, you know, there is. Oh my gosh, these films are just bringing up lots of new young, you know, teenage boy stars that I think we're going to see, like with Chalamet, Nick Robinson, the guy who plays Calvin, whatever his name is. We're going to see them more, I think, in lots definitely. of films. Definitely, and and Storm Reed as well. I feel like she oh, was yeah, a, of course. A, a real find. And, and I think we'll definitely see um, the character, some of the young women characters from uh, actresses from. The films as well. Yeah, well, I did enjoy it in in Love Simon. Um, you know, we're talking about diversity, also the, the sort of gender diversity in that. Like, yeah. You know, the the female characters, although one of them it does kind of have slightly the stereotypical like, oh, I'm in love with my best friend. Like, who role. isn't? You know. But That's I was like, everybody. I would be in love with Simon if I was at school oh with God, him. I so so this is this is you know fully acceptable. Yeah. But she, you know, she has hang-ups and issues as well, and I, I just find that really it's really nice because so many movies are just so Hollywoodized you know, everybody looks perfect. And yeah. although everybody in all these movies is, is very pretty, it's still kind of like they are trying to highlight that they're, they have insecurities because everybody yeah. does. Yeah, absolutely. Nicely done. So I think that's definitely what we could say, we could say about these two films. They're films that did something different in a genre which it's very easy to not. Um, and that happens across entertainment and pop culture. You know, it's very easy just to do another film like the one before or read another book like the one before. And the fact that they are taking what are established, they're going into established mainstream um, types of films mm. and doing what everyone else is doing, but just playing it up a little bit and mm. making it more accessible and more kind of like relevant to more people, which is great. Yeah, so, so hopefully more of that. Um, and on a slightly different note, uh, we... I was very delighted to note that Nick Robinson and Tiff Timothy Chalamet follow one another on Instagram. Oh my god, they're going to be best friends one day. Yeah. I'm so excited for it. Um, and also that Timothy Chalamet has literally become like the most famous person in the world. Oh my god, like, I know. Like, I first... couldn't have seen this one coming. No. Like, he's cause... charming, fine, but... It's like his his level of popularity is insane. Yeah, like everyone talks about him all the time. I know, and it's like when, you know, if you go back and listen to our first podcast about it... 
like he was like a total unknown. I'm not saying we discovered him, but we did. <laughs> but yeah, uh, no, no, I agree. He's it was. I think it's more the fact that he's become like a he's become like a a kind of staple in popular culture and in like internet meme culture. Yeah, like he. If you talk about like Timothy Chalamet, immediately you're like, ah, oh, charming, good looking, intelligent young man who my wife, brother, sister, father cousin is in love with that's yeah. basically like what Which he stands is, for absolutely and i think it is that mm, incredibly universal appeal i mean i think everybody i know follows him on instagram you know like but he's like he's like the, he's like romeo he's very romeo he's like yeah. the tortured yo- tortured youth well, he's it's interesting because he's been compared to leonardo dicaprio oh my god he is such a leonardo dicaprio similarly he sort of appeared on the scene very young starred in some you know really big kind of oscar type movies and basically became like an icon i became an icon and you know also looks very youthful and kind of has that like as leonardo dicaprio did yeah. back in the day so um, yeah interesting comparison but he has a new movie coming out the woody the allen one no, well, I mean, the Woody Allen one, I'm not sure will ever come out necessarily. Oh, okay. But, um, well, I, I think this movie that's being promoted at the moment is one that w- actually was on, like, the festival circuit last year, but oh. is now being released, and it's called Hot Summer Nights. Oh, no. Um, we, yeah, I know. <laughs> we shared the trailer on our Twitter. By we, I clearly mean I, because... <laughs> <laughs> but Whoops. It, um, it's, it's Timothy Chalamet in pure Timothy Chalamet form, having a summer to remember is it with a girl or a girl a girl i think but he becomes um a weed dealer in cape cod Um, classic yeah but kind of accidentally according to the trailer but it looks very arty and the and the poster is literally just a poster of his face and i'm like they know what they're doing yeah Yeah, there might be other great people in this movie but that's all they need so there we go all right (laughs) Um, so what else have you been enjoying recently uh, me oh gosh let's rattle through this quickly um actually i've been reading um assassin's apprentice by robin hobb okay mostly um which is a, a fantasy series she's written like you know twenty thousand books a la game of thrones um but it's much more considered and old in game of thrones um mm. and i'm really 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 enjoying it i'm just like i'm trying to read more be a, be more okay with reading books that i know i like rather than trying mm. to be interesting and the book club helps with reading interesting books so Absolutely. i'm going straight i'm diving straight into my love for high level fantasy books aragon that kind of thing and i'm really enjoying it on that um I've just been, yeah, pottering along. I'm reading some Lady Taylor as well, who I really enjoy. I'm deep into the fantasy books right now. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been up to. What about you? So uh, I've been reading um, The Mermaid and Mrs. Hancock, uh, which we both picked up in hardback. Beautiful hardback. Uh, yeah, and it, you know, we partly picked it up because it was such a beautiful looking book, but also because it had been really talked about as being a really exciting debut by the author. Um, yeah, it's on all, all the prize lists. Yeah. All the, all the important ones, um, yeah. But because it's hardback, it's... Uh, a lot harder to read because it's actually quite like a large book yeah, they're big um and so I, you know i can't fit it really in my handbag and yeah. even, i could fit it in my work bag but like on the tube it's so on the face yeah so i've kind of been getting through it kind of slowly and putting mm. it down in mm. order to read uh like I, we had to read our book club book which we're going to discuss a bit in our le- next Ooh, podcast about um, that one. yeah uh shout out to the author who uh Regrammed photos yeah, I know, from the book but, club, but... but wait for the next episode to news <laughs> yeah about we will that. talk more about that uh, next time but yeah so I, I have been really enjoying it so I haven't mm. got all like that far through it yet but I think I'll take it uh, to Edinburgh uh, this weekend which we're doing this weekend uh, yeah. we are going to Edinburgh this weekend so I, I think it will be a good like holiday book um, 
in order to kind of get through it properly. Would you compare it to Sarah Perry and the Essex Serpent? I think definitely in so far as it's um, set in the past, Uh uh, set in a period in which we kind of uh, read less about, which is sort of Georgian England. Yeah, and it's a time of like change as well, isn't it? Um, And it's also kind of focusing on more uh, slightly different characters than you would see in a in a tradition in a, in a book actually from that period. Oh, in the, cool. One of the characters is like a courtesan. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Which I'm really enjoying her character. Um, and the, the the focus on kind of this mysterious creature and like the hysteria that sort of it it uh, that surrounds it is also somewhat similar to the Essex Serpent. Mm. I haven't really got that far through it in order to give mm-hmm. you like a proper opinion, but yeah. certainly it's very absorbing when mm-hmm. you are reading That's it. Good. I think people seem to think that, yeah. Yeah, and very descriptive. Yeah. Um, another book that I haven't read yet, I don't even own, but I just saw loads of buzz about today um, and in the past week. It's called The Lido by Libby Page. Oh yeah, real classic, I think commercial women's fiction book. Yeah. Yeah. But apparently it's had, like, I now can't remember the figures, I'm terrible with figures, but, like, ridiculous, it's sold for a ridiculous amount Mm. and has been optioned for a movie. Mm -hmm. And the author is only, like, 25 or 26. Yeah, yeah, the marketing campaign was pretty strong. I've heard about it since, I I mean, I work on the books category at work. Um, Yeah, I've heard about it for months. But I just think it's, I always think those sorts of things are interesting in terms of the Mm. phenomenon. Um, and also, I read the description of the book, and I was like... Sounds like any other book, Well, it? but it, I think the, part of the reason I would read it is that, A, I love pools. She does, As, as Helen knows, yeah. outdoor pools always win. But also, it's about, like, a 26-year-old journalist living in Brixton. Oh, so basically kind of near the you. Very similar, yeah. And also probably like to you and many other people our age. Yeah. And, um, the Pool UK, the website have published the first three chapters on their um, oh, sure. page. So I read them because yeah. of curiosity. Um, obviously, you, you can't judge a lot by like three yeah. chapters, really. Um, but yeah, I'm certainly... I kind of want to read it just because I think it's yeah. always interesting to read that sort of thing. Um, and also, I'm always curious as to whether... Obviously, I'm in no way an expert, but whether I think it's deserved for something to have got the buzz that it yeah. did. Yeah. I mean, I'm really definitely... I'm really looking forward to reading Circe, the new book by uh, Madeline Miller, who mm. wrote The Song of Achilles, which Francesca will know. I read it in about two days before we went to Portugal, um, and I didn't stop talking about it the whole time, because I absolutely adored it beyond all belief. The Song of Achilles is, like, my favourite book I've ever I've read in the last three years. Yeah. So she's publishing... Uh, Circe got published today, which is all about Circe, the, the witch from mm. the Odyssey. So I'm really looking much forward, forward to reading that. But my time is up. Yeah, so tune in next week, and we can even tell you what we're going to discuss. Oh my god, finally! Which we like, never do. So yeah. we, next week, we are going to discuss Frankenstein in Baghdad, which is the Man Booker International Prize nominated... Short, shortlisted now, yeah. Yeah, shortlisted book uh, about literally Frankenstein in Baghdad. Yeah, and it's translated from the Arabic, which it gives it an extra edge of interest because it's not originally in English. Yeah, um, so that was our book club book, so we can also bring in some of our friends' opinions to that. Yeah. Um, we're also going to discuss the long-running musical extravaganza Phantom of the Opera. Which we, Francesca saw for the first time on Monday. And Helena saw for the third time. Third time, if you don't count the movies I've watched. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're <laughs> going to discuss that and our thoughts on, you know, how this kind of how this works in the present day. Yeah. Um, and Helena has finally got round to watching Queer Eye. So we're going to walk about, talk about the wondrous show that is Queer Eye. So that's going to be a fun and very varied episode for you to enjoy next no, time. definitely. But in the meantime, please get in touch and let us know what you thought of um, Wrinkle in Time and Love, Simon, if you saw them, mm-hmm. if you want to see them, if you don't want to see them. 
please let us know we yeah. are interested to find out yep yeah, you can connect with us on twitter at real llw we're always on there and you can email us if you like as well which is loves labors watched no punctuation at gmail.com yeah we also have an instagram loves labors watched we do so please follow us on all of those and rate review and subscribe on itunes as well that's it yeah we've, so we've got our call to we've, action we've got done. it down <laughs> we okay. will see you guys next enjoy time enjoy the sunshine bye